While we were marching through Georgia, everybody swing your honey, swing your high and low. The Alaman left for the old left hand, around the ring you go. A grand old right to left walk on your heel and toe. Promenade that pretty gal to Georgia. This is an extra episode. One of my favorite resources that I've used to put this podcast together is a book by a fellow named James Mooney, written in 1906, called Myths of the Cherokee. It has some great stories, it has some great history, but again, as I've always said in this podcast, it proves that people never really change. People in these stories are parents who are trying to get their kids to do their household chores, or worrying about the people that their sons or daughters would choose to spend time with, or dealing with nosy neighbors. The same experience that people have had all over the world throughout time. The only difference is that because they are uniquely Cherokee stories, occasionally people talk to bears or giant snakes come out of rivers, but that's no weirder than some of the Grimm's fairy tales. So this is a story called The Moon and the Thunders. The sun was a young woman and lived in the east, while her brother, the moon, lived in the west. The girl had a lover who used to come every month in the dark of the moon to court her. He would come at night and leave before daylight, and although she talked with him, she could not see his face in the dark, and he would not tell her his name, until she was wondering all the time who it could be. At last, she hit on a plan to find out, so the next time he came, as they were sitting together in the dark, she slyly dipped her hand into the cinders and ashes of the fireplace and rubbed it all over his face, saying, Your face is cold, you must have suffered from the wind, and pretending to be very sorry for him, but he did not know that she had ashes on her hand. After a while, he left her and went away again. The next night, when the moon came up in the sky, his face was covered with spots, and then his sister knew he was the one who had been coming to see her. He was so much ashamed to have her know. Well, he, he should be ashamed because it's his sister, but I don't know if that matters if you're the moon and the sun. He was so much ashamed to have her know it that he kept as far away as he could at the other end of the sky all of the night. Ever since, he tries to keep a long way behind the sun, and when he does sometimes have to come near her in the west, he makes himself as thin as a ribbon so he can hardly be seen. Some old people say that the moon is a ball which was thrown up against the sky in a game a long time ago. They say that two towns were playing each other, but one of them had the best runners and had almost won the game, when the leader of the other side picked up the ball with his hand, a thing that is not allowed in the game, and tried to throw it to the goal. But it struck against the solid sky vault and was fastened there, to remind players never to cheat. When the moon looks small and pale, it is because someone has handled the ball unfairly, and for this reason they formerly played only at the time of a full moon. When the sun or moon is eclipsed, it is because a great frog up in the sky is trying to swallow it. Everybody knows this, even the Creeks and the other tribes, and in the olden times, 80 or 100 years ago, before the great medicine men were all dead, whenever they saw the sun grow dark, the people would come together and fire guns and beat the drum, 
and in a little while this would frighten off the great frog and the sun would be alright again. There's going to be a partial solar eclipse in April. Beat all the drums you want, but please don't shoot in the air. The common people call both sun and moon Nunda, one being Nunda that dwells in the day and the other Nunda that dwells in the night. But the priests call the sun, a word I can't pronounce, which is translated as six killer, and the moon, another word I can't pronounce, even though nobody knows now what this word means or why they use these names. Sometimes people ask the moon not to let it rain or snow. That's a pretty common um, piece of folklore that if the moon is a crescent that is kind of laying on its back, that it's holding in the rain and the snow, and it'll be good weather. The Great Thunder and his sons, the two Thunder Boys, live far in the west above the Sky Vault. The lightning and the rainbow are their beautiful dress. The priests pray to the thunder and call him the red male because that is the brightest color of his dress. There are other thunders that live lower down in the cliffs and the mountains and under waterfalls and travel on invisible bridges from one high peak to another where they have their townhouses. The great thunders above the sky are kind and helpful when we pray to them, but these others are always plotting mischief. One must not point at the rainbow, or one's finger will swell at the lower joint. Okay, so that's a little bit about the sun and the moon and the thunder and frogs eating the moon. Alright, so that's our science lesson for today. Thank you for listening. Honey, swing your high and low. The yellow man left for the old left hand. Around the ring you go. A grand old right to left walk on your heel and toe. From an a pretty gal to Georgia. That's all.